Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christoph, in Geogiage, Montreal. This is the 142nd edition of the show, and thank you for being with us. Today on the broadcast, I'm going to be sharing a conversation that I had with Monica Vargas Calazos, who works with Grain. Grain is an international organization that supports peasant movements, local farmers, and opposes the corporatization of agriculture, land grabbing, and the interconnections between the military industrial complex, land, and colonization. That's a lot. This organization is doing important work. You can visit them at grain.org. I spoke with Monica about a very specific report that was released this fall uh, that looks at the role of Israeli state-backed agribusiness companies that are operating throughout the global south. This is looking at the ways that um, the military industrial complex framework within the context of Israeli state-backed projects um, fused together in a new form of colonialism within contexts where agribusiness is pushed on governments, particularly in Africa, Latin America, and Asia, is this report looks at a very broad scope of different examples. And it's very important in looking at questions today around how corporate agricultural products and projects are being pushed as a new form of colonialism as backed by Israeli state actors and corporations. Um, it's a very layered uh, an important report, and I really encourage people to take the time to listen because Monica really lays it out in a clear way, and um, it's one of the few reports that really looks at this issue. So without further ado, this is the conversation I had with Monica from Grain.org about uh, their report on Israeli state-backed agribusiness. Um, here it is. Thank you, Stefan. Yes, I think uh, you described uh, quite well what grain aims to be. Um, actually, we describe ourselves as a, a small non-profit international organization no, that is working to support small farmers and uh, social movements in the struggles towards uh, biodiversity, food systems, no, and of course, food sovereignty. And um, I've been working for grain since one year now, so I'm new. And... Um, uh, I'm part of the global team. So what we do in the global team is to support uh, the, with research, the work at the regional level. Um, and our teams at the regional level are in Latin America, in Asia and in Africa. Great. Uh, thank you for highlighting that. So you have these hubs globally, these locations. Uh, you've been working really hard uh, with others at Grain on a report that examines the impacts of Israeli agribusiness companies operating within Africa. Uh, I think people would just be surprised just to start that this is a situation. So just at a very basic level, can you describe what this report is about and how it's related to the work of grain? Sure. So perhaps to say that we... We have been concerned, uh, well, no, we have been monitoring the um, uh, Israeli agribusiness companies since over a decade now. And uh, our concern has grown uh, basically on the, um, the, the, the support to the expansion of industrial agriculture 
that those companies represent, but also on how they are linked to uh, what we call agrodiplomacy, meaning a, a, diplo a specific diplomatic agenda of the state of Israel. You know? And um, it's true that those companies that we have been monitoring uh, have a global presence, a global international presence, no? but most of them are relatively unknown. So we wanted to unveil um, uh, those companies' uh, operations, uh, specifically in the global south, and uh, to, to expose the impacts they, 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 they can have, uh, negative impacts they can have over, over the communities, no? So what, uh, uh, well, perhaps it's good to remember that Israel uh, presents itself uh, outside uh, as a, a startup nation, Uh, with um, with high tech companies uh, that are even able to to answer to hunger in the world or to climate change, no, with the drip irrigation technologies and other irrigation uh, other other technologies, no. But it's important to know also that the Israeli agribusiness companies have developed a link to the to the system of apartheid in Israel, no. Some of them are. Um, active in the illegally occupied territories of Palestine and the Syrian Golan, for example. That is the case of Netafim, no? And uh, uh, other companies are less known than Netafim, uh, but they have also grown uh, in, in link to the apartheid, no? Um, what we have seen is that they, they are... Uh, um, they are uh, doing or developing... Uh, a large scale agricultural projects in uh, in the global south in particular what they call turnkey projects which perhaps we can explain afterwards what, a bit what it is um in africa that some of the some of those are, are exposed in the in the report no and uh, that those those uh, projects can generate debt uh, they they are Often linked to uh, at least to to uh, to um, to the armed sector, no, or the, the security or military sector, um, and that they often uh, also, uh, well, there are allegations of corruptions or, or at least mismanagement in some of those projects, no, and do, those are multimillionaire projects. So that has been concerning for us, no, to 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 unveil and. Uh, What uh, I'm, I'm not talking about projects that are really in the past. I'm talking about the report refers to projects that start in the 2010 around, no, but are still very alive. alive. So for, for Glenn, it's important to expose that and to work together with, uh, with communities in order to alert them because those projects are coming and you have more and more projects coming, no? So just to understand, um, when we talk about Israeli agribusiness um, operating, I know that the report is focused on sub-Saharan Africa, okay? Um, but I, I realize that there's uh, operations in different parts of the world. But um, maybe we can just focus in on uh, some of the aspects of the report looking at Uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Just in, in relation to when we think about the sort of celebration of Israel, the state as a startup nation and this sort of quote-unquote innovation, um, we have seen quite a lot of important writing in, re in regards to the military-industrial complex. You know, there's a chapter, for example, in Shock Doctrine by Naomi Klein that looks at this in detail. Um, but I think maybe a lot of people wouldn't have 
um, understood that this um, sort of colonial corporate, um, these mechanisms of um, global profit making on the part of companies linked to the Israeli state also extends to agribusiness. So could you detail a few examples of how this takes place within sub-Saharan Africa that Grain has um, looked into? Well, we, we didn't look only to sub-Saharan Africa. We also have cases in Latin America and in Asia. Um, but yes, of course, we can we can detail more on, on uh, those African projects. Um, perhaps let, let me talk about those they call turnkey project models because they are really at the core of the operation of those companies. And there you have the involvement of the, um, the financial sector. You have the involvement of the, of, uh, of companies that are building the projects, but also of companies that are offering a lot of services, um, uh, and all Israeli, no? Uh, and they go like a pool together, no? In those turnkey agricultural projects, which for us uh, are, uh, sort of uh, white elephants, finally, no, in, in most of the cases. Um, if you know what, what I mean by white elephants, okay. So, um, a, a, a turnkey project, when we have detected a kind of, of model, no, of pattern, no, in the, that type of projects. No, first of all, a, a, a turnkey project is, a, is one when a, a company is, is contracted uh, to design, to fund, to develop, no, um, a, a facility, no, and um, and uh, and then that can be a greenhouse or a large scale uh, livestock barn or a, a, a dairy farm, no. So you you need to think about multimillionaire. Uh, projects, no? And um, the idea is that then it, uh, the company hands over to the state or to the local company once it's uh, fully operational. But usually they stay uh, some years till the company building is, stays uh, some years uh, in the in the projects, no? And uh, many of those companies uh, that we have observed are owned or are connected uh, to politicians, to officers, uh, to former officers of the Israeli military, to the secret services, to the Mossad, no? And uh, the, the, the links are current or are in the past, no? Um, but the, the, this link is, no? According to the French Institute of uh, International Relations, the IFRI, no? The Mossad's role in, in Africa has been really essential to help the Israeli businessman's operations in the continent, no? And that is besides directly ensuring the security of African leaders or training local security services, no? So th this is something that is key. So the typical turnkey project that we explain in the, in the report starts with the arrangement of meetings between the Israeli company representatives with also with high-level politicians from Israel and from the country, which usually is a country that has very, very uh, rich natural resources, no? And then the, the Israeli company proposes this multimillionaire agricultural project that will be equipped and uh, with the latest Israeli technologies, no? And it also offers to handle everything, even getting the loans, no, to construct the, the farms or the, or the project, no? And it's through the agricultural part is very important, but the real pitch for us is the financing, no? So what happens here? The fact is that you have um, those companies that are proposing to create uh, an opportunity for the governments that are, have difficulties to get the loans, no? To get those loans uh, instead of them, no? And um, who is involved there? You have usually Israeli banks, 
no? But also European banks, and more important, you have um, European export credit agencies. That is key because um, the, the Israeli companies, like for example, Netafim or Green Thousand, Green Thousand uh, or Tahal, they, they are also based in Europe, no? Either through subsidiaries, either have been, they are owned by European companies, no? So they, they can play with that double identity, uh, and that, that ensures, uh, the support of, uh, public funds, no? As, because an export credit agency really ensures that with public funds, no? The, the project of a national company, no? So that is the case of the Netherlands, no? That uh, supports quite, uh, quite a lot of those companies and, uh, yeah, with those examples I just gave, like Netafim, Tahal, and, and Green Thousand, no? And also you have European banks that are entering for the same reasons, no? So what happens here also is that um, eventually the, the project would be built uh, uh, and eventually it can, it can collapse. We have found cases, for example, in Angola, which has been really the, the country what, that where they first started with those uh, that type of projects, no? What we have seen is that actually those projects that are presented like a, uh, something similar to the Moshav, no, uh, in, in Israel, which was the model of to integrate in brackets, uh, integrate the, the, the immigrants in Israel, no, uh, over Palestinian occupied land. Um, so they, they are similar to the Moshav. And they call the smart villages, no? For example, in Azerbaijan, or they, they are developing smart villages, no? Uh, um, and, and that type of villages are a, a way to finally to, to do land grabbing, uh, to impose a vertical project without consulting the population and a large scale project. And in some cases, like the one we have seen with, in Aldeyanova in Angola, uh, which is in Vaku Congo, region over 9,000 hectares, what you have there, and that was um, uh, with the participation of two companies, the LR Group and the Mitrelli Group, what we have seen is that finally the population uh, ends by working in, uh, even in, in, in a labor labor conflict uh, context, no, for those companies, no, without really getting be benefits from them. And if the project collapses or, or the allegations of mismanagement of corruption, as, as is the case of Aldeia Nova, um, as the state has put in the financing, uh, the state has put the, the national resources of oil, in the case of Angola, as a guarantee, no? It ends by paying uh, a, a debt, no, for a white elephant. So that has turned to be a, a, a model that we have seen. Um, it can be different in, in, in different countries, no? There are really variations about that. But... Um, for us, what is key here is that, that, that um, there is uh, very little information on, 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 on what is happening with those projects, no? And, but when you, you, you really uh, take out the curtain, then you see that um, they are often failing, no? And uh, you see also that some of those projects are developed in countries that are at the same time countries that are important key countries in the armed trade for Israel. Mm -hmm. For example, Vietnam or India or Azerbaijan, no? 
those countries are leading the the the, the imports from uh, uh, Israeli weapons and arms from different types. No, so you have all this diplomacy from Israel going to those countries, and at the same time, in the same delegation, you need to imagine the ten. 10 businessmen from those companies, no, like doing the business at the same time, no. So you have, that's why the, the report that we are, we are, we are launching, uh, is called the uh, Farms, Arms and Israel Agro Diplomacy, no, because it is in full pack where you have the diplomacy around the agriculture, but also around arms. When we conceptualize a lot of what you've shared, uh, Monica, if we think about land and territory, and also the um, implementation of mechanisms through corporate projects that secure indigenous resources. If you're talking about oil, oil um, resources from Angola, for example, um, can you frame a bit more some of the details that you've shared and you've mentioned examples around the world? How can we conceptualize these Israeli uh, companies, first as linked to the Israeli state, but how that represents a process of a neo-colonial relationship to resources and land. What is important to 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 see is that uh, you have the the same uh, the same model in Palestine. No, the apartheid in Palestine has developed um, through the land grabbing, no, and through also uh, displacing the small far- small farmers, no, in in that context of of repression, no, and uh, it's really the imposition of that of that model, uh, even with violence, no. In in I mean I mean the global south countries because the word even for Palestine doesn't fit not really with violence, no. Um, so we can see a, a, a like a, a same logic, a same colon- colonial logic, no, with that imposition. Someone could think, uh, yeah, but what is the difference uh, with uh, uh, a large-scale project uh, pushed by Cargill or by Bayer or, you know, by, by, by the big act in the world, no? So uh, I would say that the uh, big companies like, for example, ICL, which is a fertilizer company, or Adama, which sells uh, uh, agrochemicals, no, are playing really among the uh, big act. No, they are really big players, no, and are doing exactly the same, uh, this having exactly the same impact than the big act uh, from non-Israeli big act, no. But the difference here is that uh, they, they go uh, to, they arrive to the global south with the state of Israel support, no, and that they are useful in order to, to sell this idea that Israel is bringing uh, development, no, development and uh, uh, that is good and uh, also uh, efficiency towards climate change, etc. No, to those countries, no. So that is why uh, that is the I would say that the, the the distinction, no, the particularity of that capital, no, or, or corporate power, if you wish. Thank you so much for outlining that. Um, so you underlined one point about these different projects and you mentioned a bunch so i'd encourage people to visit grain.org where in the next while you'll be able to access this report but um can you talk a bit and underline the fact that there's a lot of cash to be made by these israeli companies often uh, linked to former military officials tied to the israeli state infrastructure 
Um, so when we're talking about projects failing, let's say, you know, a, a, a vast uh, chicken farm or, you know, a vast agricultural initiative uh, in different places, um, that will have a local impact, right? Like, and I think that it's important at least to understand the, the ways that this devastates local communities, you know, when there's not really a thorough process, when a project just sort of takes a bunch of natural resources, natural and national resources from a southern context and then closes up. And these Israeli officials have made a lot of cash, millions and millions, and the local communities are left with a broken initiative. Yes. Bueno, I can give some examples in order we size the a little bit the the that type of project. Um I can talk, for example, on uh, on the uh, Kiminia Integrated Agricultural Project in uh, in Angola, that was developed by the Tahal Group. Uh, Tahal Group is owned by the Dutch uh, company Cardan NV, no? and uh, that project started in twenty uh, two thousand and eleven. And the high group was contracted to build that uh, uh, agricultural project over 5,000 hectares, no? And the cost was between uh, 200 and, three, three, and 370 million dollars, which is really a lot of money, you know? Um, and the, 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 the company dropped out ten, like 10 years after, no? But what we have seen is that there are still now allegations of corruption, mismanagement, no, and also conflicts with unpaid workers, no, that that were raised, no. Uh, it's true that the company has uh, that is now managing the project, which is an Angola pro company, um, is denying that those allegations, no. But uh, at least uh, what what we have seen is that uh, well, no, the, 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 there is a doubt here, and. That for me, I find an example that that example quite uh, quite disturbing because the houses that were initially uh, built for the for the workers for the farmers in that project, uh, most of them now are not inhabited. But you have the local elites that are going there for vacation. <laughs> no, as you can imagine, no a project like that, a, a multimillionaire, uh, where that finally is really, really far from benefiting the local population, no? I think that's a good, you can have the image, no, of, of that, no? There, there are other examples, no? For example, in Nigeria, no, there is also, in, in this this is the case of the LR group. That is, um, yeah, perhaps to say that the... the that the group uh, uh, jointly with the with the Mitrelli group are 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 companies that have been founded by former uh, military from the from from Israel, no, and uh, actually in that in that uh, in that what is called the Adama Farm, no, which is developed by Manoli Innovation, it's a subsidiary of the LR group, no, um, they signed a contract also of over five thousand hectares to to build, you know, a, um, a huge farm. Um, in the river state, and the, the estimated cost of the project was uh, one hundred and uh, one hundred and four and forty million dollars. No, and uh, seventy percent was aimed to be covered by the by the government, and thirty percent by the by the LR group. No, but uh, three years after there were allegations, no, by the Nigerian media, 
saying that actually the, 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 the funds designated to the, to the farm, to the, uh, to, to the Adama farm, no, were used to, to fund the President Buhari's election campaign, no? So, now, actually, we don't know where the project is at, and the, the LR group is not responding on where it is at, no? But it's also an example, no, where you, where you can see how funds are deviated, because what, what is key here is also the link to the, to, to corrupt the elites in the, in the hosting country, no? That is part of the, of the model, no? Great. Thank you so much for breaking this down, Monica. Maybe just a last point. Um, so today within, uh, the global left, uh, that's a big term, but whatever, between uh, progressive activists and social movements internationally, there's a lot of much more attention to the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Uh, in Latin America, there was advance on this at a more structural state institution level, and I think that's a whole other conversation about about what happened in Brazil with the PT and also in Bolivia with mass and the fact that these governments were th starting to actually implement some limited mechanisms to cut relations with Israeli arms companies, for example. But this is a huge topic, but very important. But can you talk a bit about why Grain has done this report at this time? Because often people like BDS movement seems like a bit more theoretical, but this report is very specific in terms of how Israeli companies are engaged in neo-colonial practices internationally. So any, any relationship towards thinking about the details of this report and this global moment where people are thinking critically about the Israeli state? A year, in this past year, we've seen Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch use the word apartheid for the first time. What is good with this report, and uh, and we are we are we are glad that uh, it, it can be useful for movements that are uh, confronting um, the Israeli apartheid. No, what is good with this report is that um, it talks about companies that are really less known. No, you have seen um, um, the BDS movement you're talking about working, for example, on on Netafim. No, and uh, they will probably continue doing that. No, and at Afim, I'm talking about how how uh, that type of companies where that you can really track the uh, what they are selling to farmers and alert farmers that this is a Netafim uh, Netafim article. Uh, in the case of the drones they use, for example, that for example has been also used. The system has been used to bomb. Um, Gaza, no, it's one of the articles of Netafin, that's the case. Um, so that, that's, that's what they have been doing. But by, by, by knowing other companies that are, that are really lower profile, like, like as we were saying, no, um, like the LR group or the Mitali group or the HAL, you have Green, Green 2000 also that we are quoting in the report. Um, they have other tools, no, to, um, First, uh, to see how the Israeli diplomacy is uh, is developed in, in 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 some countries, no, and that is important to understand the 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 the, the, the thing the thoughts uh, before that, no, but also to to alert the the communities, no, on what is going to come. Um, that is why for us it's really critical to monitor to expose the activities of those Israeli agribusiness abroad, no. Um, also, because what what we aim to do is to is to bueno 
to build, to support the solidarity that is built uh, uh, with Palestine. And we think that um, the affected people in, in other countries can have can be more solidar with Palestine because they, 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 they can see they have common interests, no? Besides the fact that you would naturally be supportive to Palestinians, no? So building solidarity, inter international solidarity, can be a result of this report. At least we hope. That was a conversation with Monica Vargas Colazos, uh, who works with Grain.org. This is an international organization that looks at supporting local peasant and farmer organizations, uh, organization that opposes colonialism and the fusion of corporate agribusiness and the military-industrial complex. Uh, I really encourage you to support and look up their work. Thank you, Monica, for being on the program today. Free City Radio is a weekly broadcast. I produce it. Stefan Christoph here in Montreal, Joe Giage. We air on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal, Tuesdays on 1 p.m. on CJLO 1690 a.m. also in Giage, Montreal, on CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg on Tuesdays at 8 a.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesdays and CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, British Columbia on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our archives are at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll finish the program today with some music by Nicholas Sharp. Talk to you soon and take care.